Amen. That was really a nice worship time, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Hey, I got one more word, but this, the Lord didn't give me this one. This one I'm making up for myself because I need help, Lord. How many people are suffering with tree pollen allergies right now? Raise your hand. Well, I'm with you. Lord, heal us. <laughs> I've been had a rough couple of weeks, man. But last Sunday, I was so messed up. It's like I don't even know who was at church. I was so, so out of it because of those allergies, man. So I'm in the, the boat of needing healing, needing delivering from allergies. All righty, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read Luke 9, 28 through 32. And I want to talk to you out of these verses because I believe they're really uh, pertinent verses for us right now. And I think it's really what God's doing uh, with us, and I'm sure with many people. So I really pray this morning that the Lord will speak directly to your heart on a personal level. But I think these are really awesome verses. Uh, it says, It came to pass about eight, about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on a mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Well, if you study the Bible, the New Testament, you study Jesus' ministry, this is like the, you know, his ministry was on an uphill swing, it, growing in popularity, Crowds were gathering. This was the height of it. At, if you look at it from just from a historical perspective, from this point on, his ministry, as far as the natural realm, began to go downhill. He began to have more people coming after him, more people resisting him. You know, the battle was on. This was like the peak, you know. And then from there, it started going down as far as human thoughts are concerned. So this is pretty powerful. I really want to mention, you know, that it mentioned prayer in there, uh, that that's what he was doing. So I think we could always say that the Lord is really interested in us praying. That's the reason he went up there. But sometimes when you start praying, God surprises you, right? So that's the first thing. I think if, if you know, a lot of people struggle in prayer but I want to encourage you to pray because I believe we're in a time where God's going to surprise people and visit people as you pray. Uh, the other thing it says, it says it was about eight days after some ministry he was doing. And it's universally known and accepted that in the Bible, eight represents a new beginning. Mainly because God worked and created, did creation on the seventh day. And uh, you know, that's sort of how we measure life is we have seven-day weeks and... Uh, Tomorrow, well, really, this is the first day of the week, but in our minds, you know, we start back to work on Monday, like Monday's the first day and Sunday's the last day. Really, biblically, Sunday's the first day. You begin everything from a place of rest, unless you're doing worship, <laughs> But what I wanted to say, I believe that we, and I believe this on a lot of levels, but I believe we're in a new, a new beginning, Okay, I believe we're in a new time spiritually. Uh, I believe we're in a new time in our nation. 
things are not what they were a, a few months ago even. Um, one of the great lessons about in the New Testament you're going to find is you're going to find that God's always moving to do something new. Right? I mean, God is always the same, but what God emphasizes and what God does in times are new things. That's what the New Testament really teaches. That's the whole me- one of the whole messages of the New Testament. And if we measure what God is doing today by what He did, you're going to miss the Lord because you're using the wrong standard. You see what I'm saying? You can't measure what God's doing in your life today or even around you based on what God did. Do y'all get that? That's a really important grace lesson that will help you in your life if you will not measure the things that God's doing based on a standard of what God did in your life yesterday. A lot of people live out of yesterday's blessings and encouragements that God brought. And when it's no longer happening, they're frustrated and they keep trying to measure it by that. And so I, I think that's really one of the things this is trying to communicate here, that we're in a new time. And God is calling people into a spiritual place with Him. Anytime in the Bible it says He went up on the mountain to pray, I really challenge you in the New Testament, if you, anytime Jesus went up on a mountain, I don't know how high those mountains were. They weren't like mountains like the Colorado mountains. You know, there wasn't even mountains like the Blue Ridge mountains. They were not as high. But anytime in the New Testament, in the Gospels, when it says Jesus went up on a mountain or Jesus went up on a mount, something happened. So I encourage you when you're reading the Gospels, when, that, when you see that, pay attention. Like, you know, for instance, the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest messages, detailed messages about the kingdom of heaven ever given was given on a mountain. Uh, Jesus in Mark 3, it says He went up on a mountain and called those whom He wanted to Himself and selected twelve to be with Him, the apostles that they might be with Him and that they might go out and preach and have authority. That was pretty powerful. Another time is uh, in Matthew 24 and 25, people who love the end times should know those chapters by heart because those were Jesus' end time teachings. And it says He went up on a mountain and began to teach them about these end time things. And one of the most powerful ones is actually in the book of Acts. It says, Jesus went on the Mount of Olives and was taken up into heaven from a mountain. And it says He's going to come back on that very place when He returns. Isn't that powerful? So to me, the mountains, yeah, the mountains speak of the heavenly realm. It speaks of a place when, when God, when Jesus went on the mountain, He says, I'm calling you into a, pl- a special moment, a special place to be with me. And there's revelation fixing to be open. Something's going to happen. Okay? So I believe we're in a time... Uh, you know, we're seeing more anticipation with people now. In general, people have a more of an anticipation in their heart about the Lord doing something. Are you following me on that? I hope, I hope you have that anticipation in your heart today. I hope you have this thing called hope rising in you in a fresh way, in a new way, because that's what God is doing right now. He's releasing that. And the reason He's doing it is because He's calling people up into a mountain experience with Him. He's calling people up into an experience, into an encounter, into in, in what the Bible calls, he went up on a mountain. And something's going to happen up there. It's not going to be the normal status quo thing. God's going to do something. God's going to, there's an encounter that God has for you. And when he begins, do you feel that wooing in your heart? Just respond to it. 
Isn't that awesome? Well, the, the next thing it says, it says that as he prayed, that's, this is pretty good. It, you know, if you, could, if you was a formula person, I'm going to pray and my appearance is going to change. It's going to be altered. Don't you wish that would happen? <laughs> you suddenly, you're this really ugly person. And you prayed and your hair grew back. <laughs> you know, and your beard turned back normal, natural color. You know, and you know, all the crow's feet and fine lines and big lines on your neck. You know, the leather look is gone. Wouldn't that be just so awesome for God to do that for us? It really would, but I don't think he's talking about this here, but... There is the potential in the Lord to make people who don't look good, look good. But all seriousness, all seriousness, a, a beautiful person is made more beautiful by the presence of the Lord. You know, I've known people, and I think we've all known people who've been with the Lord and been with Him and walked with Him, and then they stumbled somehow in their life and their relationship with the Lord grew into a lukewarm or cold state. And you would look at them and you would see darkness on them. And you would realize the thing that really made them attractive was the Lord. So if you're an ugly person today, you can be made very attractive. <laughs> There's hope for you. <laughs> Anyways, I must, wanted to talk about this. I want to talk just a moment about this, what, they, what the Bible calls a transfiguration. Um, it was a shining forth of the true nature of Christ that suddenly his inward nature of who he really was and who he really is began to manifest on that mountain. And I wanted to tell you that I could only find one other place in the Bible where this actually happened to another man. And I wanted to read that and I'm going to tell you something about this that could really help you. It's actually happened to Moses once, who happened to be one of the people who showed up there on this mountain. People always say that Moses never made it into the promised land, yet that is not what the Bible says. You know, we should always wait, okay, and see what the New Testament says on things. Like, you know, Moses didn't get to enter when everybody else did, but there he was on this mountain in the promised land. Do you get what I'm saying? See, lots of times we try to explain everything by what the Old Testament said, and still letting the New Testament explain what the Old Testament says. I'm serious. I mean, a lot of Christians are stuck in an Old Testament thought. They've never really embraced what the New Testament teaches. New Testament explains everything in the Old Testament. It, it makes the Old Testament make sense. Everybody wants to know, why did God kill all these people? Read the New Testament. He'll explain those things to you. He makes those things come into order. The New Testament is the superseding Law of God, if you want to call it, the law of grace that God has released. Anyways, it says, I wanted to read this in Exodus 34 when Moses had this amazing encounter with the Lord. It's, it was now it was so, in verse, this is 30, Exodus 34, 29 through 30. Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, there he was on a mountain. He was up there with the Lord. And the two tablets of testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain. That was the Ten Commandments, okay? Y'all remember that. That Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. His skin was shining. Isn't that powerful? So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, 
the skin of his face shone. I don't really like that word shone. I would rather like shined. But he was shining. And they were afraid to come near him. That was a powerful moment because these people had saw things. They had experienced things. These, these children of Israel, they were no dummies to the miraculous power of God. They saw God do mighty things, yet they saw this man shining. And they were afraid to come near him. The Bible tells us, actually about Moses, that he had many encounters with the Lord. Many face-to-face. It says in Exodus 33, 11, that the Lord spoke to Moses face-to-face like a man speaks to his friend. Yet this was the only time that he ever had that experience. All the other times that Moses was with God, in the presence of God, and God talking to him, he never came back shining forth with the presence of the Lord. This was the only time. And then he comes to this Mount of Transfiguration, him and Elijah, who was another man who had had glorious encounters with the presence of the Lord, where God spoke to him. I was thinking about Elijah this morning when he was, I think, 1 Kings 19, where he was on this mountain, and he had been in a bad place in his life. He had been discouraged and and was thinking wrong, and it was running, running away, really. He was just running. Anybody ever felt like just running away? Just like, I'm just quitting. i got to get out of here. I'm done. Life is done. Well, that was where he was at. God had used him powerfully, but he became disappointed that the people of God, after he, called, after he literally called fire down from heaven and killed all these prophets of Baal, which would be like killing all the demonic, the people... Of God didn't respond. They just sat there and looked at him. And, and so he was all discouraged and disappointed in his heart and said, Lord, I'm the only one. And the Lord said, No, you're not. <laughs> Sometimes we think we're the only one. And God wants to tell you this morning, you know, you're not the only one. I've got a bunch of people that love me. I've got a bunch of people that care about me. I've got a bunch of people hidden away praying. You're not the only one, so you don't have to carry this thing by yourself and think this way. Because God, you know, wants us to know that there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people hidden away. There's not just one church that's got everything. There's many churches. There's many churches across this nation that love the Lord. And they are worshiping the Lord in whatever way they, that's meaningful to them. You know, and we should be thankful for that. And I am. Anyway, so Elijah gets up there and, you know, the Lord was going to speak to him. He was up there in this cave. And Elijah knew the Lord. He had encountered the Lord. He had been in the presence of the Lord. He knew, you know, there was a, a wind, there was a hurricane, there was a fire, there was an earthquake. He knew the Lord wasn't in any of that. And it says there was this gentle blowing, and he knew it was the Lord. He felt the presence of the Lord come on this gentle blowing. That's how discerning he was about the Lord. He wasn't always good discerning about himself, but about the Lord, he knew the presence of the Lord. He was used to being in the presence of the Lord. He knew God's heart. You know, so you can have all that, but you can still get messed up in your life. And But the Lord blew on him that day and began to give him instructions on how to release you know, what he had to somebody else and how to release the future to what was going to happen. It's amazing if you read what he said. He released the future of Israel. 
and he released the future of his ministry. And he, he spoke it forth. Because why? Because he was in this presence of the Lord. And so the Lord allowed him. You know, Moses and Elijah rep- represent the law and prophets. Now here's the thing. They were people who encountered the Lord, but everybody else didn't encounter the Lord like that. Okay? Now this is really important for us. This is what God wants people to They were there to represent what kept all of us out. The law of God, the law and the prophets... They had special access, Moses and Elijah, they had special access to God, but everybody else didn't. Okay? That's why they were there, because Jesus was revealing, everybody has access to me now. Okay? That's, that's what he wanted, to, he wanted to show us. Moses had this encounter. Elijah had this encounter. Mo, God spoke to Moses face to face. In this Mount of Transfiguration thing, God was trying to say to people, because they spoke of his decease. Okay, that was his death. That was the thing. The Bible says the veil was the body of Jesus. That's Hebrews 10, 20. The veil was ripped open. The veil that separated us from the presence of God and being able to enter into the presence of God was ripped open. That was Christ's body being ripped open for us to be able to enter into the very presence of God. Every Christian should make the presence of God their highest thing because of what Christ did on the cross. See, a lot of people don't really put those together, but I want you to put it together today. Jesus' body was ripped open so we could walk into the very presence of God and experience what Elijah experienced, experience what Moses experienced, and experience what Peter, James, and John experienced up on that mountain today because the body of Jesus was torn apart so we could have an encounter with the presence. We could have an encounter with heaven. And so that's why we should make that a priority and not let anybody talk us out of it. Y'all okay? Anyways, um, let me tell you, let me just read this one scripture. I love this. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul, we all with unveiled faces, the veil ripped open, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Powerful. Think about it like this. We're looking into a mirror we're looking into a mirror because we have the glory in us see that's what people need to get what he was trying to tell us there There, we are carrying the glory inside of us okay and he's saying this veil has been torn open we, we can look in and begin to see this glory we're seeing the glory of the Lord and we're being transformed into that same image from glory to glory okay just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So that's the thing that Jesus experienced in an instance where the, the nature of God, the true nature of who God is, was suddenly revealed. Paul was saying here, it's going to happen with us. It may not happen instantly, and it's not necessarily a, a natural thing, but it's a spiritual thing where this glory that's inside of us can begin to manifest through our lives. And people can begin to see that glory. Or like I said earlier, you see it when it's gone. When a person's out of the presence, you begin to see this darkness that's sitting on them. Are y'all good? Well, let me tell you about the one thing. This is, I've said all that to get you here. The one thing, there was a difference. There was a difference in this encounter Moses had when he went up and came back with glory on his face. 
on all the other encounters that he had. Because I was, was wondering, what, what was special about this encounter, Lord? What, what made all the others that he could go and be in your presence and nobody ran from him? You know? Well, this is interesting. It's, this is back in Exodus 33, 18 and 19. And Moses said to the Lord, Please show me your glory. Okay? Then he said, I will, listen, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will, show me your glory. Here's the Lord's response. I'll make all my goodness pass before you. So what, in that one statement, God has said this. God said this. My glory is my goodness. That's what God said. Now we have made glory into a lot of things, which... A lot of them are biblical, but God has said, my glory is my goodness. Okay, I'll read the rest of that. I will let all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. Thank God we're one of those whom's, right? I think it's everybody if they will receive it. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So God summed up His glory with one word, is His goodness. Okay, now this is really why Moses' face was shining. And this is how God wants to change the church. Okay? Is God is saying to the church, this is what I really believe God is saying to the church. God is saying to the church, listen, stop saying that I'm angry. And I'm going to judge homosexuals. Stop saying it. Stop saying I'm angry with the United States government. Stop saying that. Because God is saying, listen, I want to have compassion. Because I'm good. Nobody is going to shine forth if all we do is point our fingers and find fault. God is not pointing His fingers and finding fault. I don't, I'm just telling you, this is what I believe. You can believe what you want to do, do what you want to do. But I believe God's going to transform the church, okay, by us seeing His goodness. And when we see His goodness, we reflect His goodness, okay? And if our minds are set on, on hateful thoughts and angry thoughts and scared thoughts, nothing's going to change. Because ultimately what you set your mind on, what you think about, that's how, what's going to be reflected through your life. Your thoughts are going to get angry. Your thoughts are going to get scared. Your thoughts are going to get mean and mad at people. That doesn't justify people doing things they shouldn't be doing. I'm not saying the government is right. I'm not saying homosexuality is right. I'm saying I don't agree with that. But I am saying that God wants to reveal His goodness to the world and not His judgment. They'll let Him decide when judgment comes. That's His business. We're not the judge. Okay, we need to judge ourselves, judge ourselves with any of the sins we commit, but our job is not to wreck the world with this angry God out to kill everybody. That's just what I'm, I'm just telling you what I really believe in my life, and I believe we can be transformed when we begin to focus on the goodness of the Lord. I believe that's how God can begin to shine forth in our lives. He can begin to shine forth in our life when we begin to focus on His goodness, that God is good, God is gracious, God is full of compassion, because that's what He told Moses. And when Jesus was on the earth, that's what He did. He didn't judge people. He didn't compound people. He loved the sinners. He reached out to them. 
And somehow the church has flipped this thing around and we quit doing what Jesus did and started doing all this stuff that the Pharisees did and we think that's what's righteous. Are y'all following what I'm saying? And I don't think that's the way we should be reading the Bible and seeing Jesus as being a person who would hang out with sinners, eat with sinners, okay? And the Pharisees were condemning him for it. And now we want to go condemn the sinners, okay? Instead of bringing them what Jesus did to deliver them from their lifestyle, get them out of that place and bring them into the knowledge of a God who loves them. That's what I really believe. The Bible says in Hebrews 1, 8, 1, 3 that Jesus is the perfect revelation of God's glory. So if you want to know what His glory is like and what we should act like and the way we should think, we should look at Jesus and how He acted and how He thought. And that's how He wants us to think and act. Are you okay? Anyways, I know a lot of people don't are mad at the government. I mean, I would have voted for somebody, you know. Anyways, else, which I probably did, but, you know. I wanted to go back and read this one verse up there in uh, Luke 9, verse 32, and then I'm going to finish. Or did y'all follow all that, what I just said? Yeah. I'm just saying I believe that we're in a time that God is wanting to release His goodness to us for the purpose of transforming us, for changing our anxious thoughts, from changing our fearful thoughts, changing our critical and judgmental thoughts, okay, to His kind of thoughts. But here's something that I felt was really interesting in this verse. It says in verse 32 of that, Luke 9, Peter and those with him, which happened to be, don't you love that? Poor Peter, he's the only one who gets named in... He got, John and James got named and get taken up. But being asleep when you shouldn't be, he's the only one that got named in it. (laughs) Poor Peter, he he took a beating in the New Testament, didn't he? He was always getting in trouble. I just guess everybody like, yeah, let's just jump on him. Lord jumped on him. We're all going to pile on Peter. We won't happen to mention that the apostle whom Jesus loved (laughs) and the first martyr of the whole church, they were sleeping too. But it was those who were with him. I just thought that was hilarious when I read it. Poor Peter. <laughs> they were heavy with sleep, it says. They were heavy with sleep. Here's the Lord. There's a major thing happening. And they're sleeping. They're sleeping. And I think that says something. God called them up to the mountain. They went up with them. They had to know something was going on because he just brought them three lots of times when there was going to be something happening that he just wanted to let them see. And they went to sleep. And so I think that says something to us about going to sleep when we shouldn't be. And it says they weren't just sleeping, they were heavy with sleep. I mean heavy. That means... You try to wake them up, they weren't going to, their eyelids felt like logs sitting on them or something. Have you ever felt that, being heavy with sleep? You know, you wake up and you look and just, <laughs> it's sort of like having jet lag, where you're just going to sleep. Literally, I've went to sleep sitting in a restaurant, having a conversation with somebody. And all of a sudden, I'd look around and be aware again, thinking, I've missed something here. I was asleep sitting there. 
You could go to sleep and not even know it because you're so out of it. So they were heavy with sleep. But when they were fully awake, they saw his glory. And they saw the two men, and they saw Elijah and Moses. They woke up, and they saw something powerful, okay? But when they were asleep, they were not getting what God was doing at that moment. And so, here's the thing. A lot of Christians, we have to be careful right now that we're not asleep at this time. That God could be doing something, and we could be missing what he's doing because we're asleep. And only you can, you know, only you and God can decide that. But I was thinking about in my own life things that make me spiritually sleepy entirely, that disconnect me. One of them, and I think this is for everybody, is fear. Fear, if you're full of fear, you're, going, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to perceive what God's doing. It just, you know, don't doubt, unbelief. Those things will, will cause you to, to miss what the Lord's doing in your life. I'll tell you another one. Listen, the cares of this life, the cares of this life will cause you to go to sleep what God's doing. Here's another one, the desire for other things. That, there's nothing wrong with desiring other things. There's nothing wrong with desiring Whatever you desire. If you say like you wanted a new car, there's nothing, that's not a bad desire. But when those desires become greater desires in you than the desire for the Lord Himself, that's when those things begin to work against you. You, you hear what I'm saying to you? I'm not putting down desire. And the same thing with cares of this life. We all have them, right? Everybody's got cares. You know, if you've got a brain, you've got a care. You know, you can't get up in the morning without having a care. You know, especially when you get older, your bones crack. You know, oh, am I going to be able to get through this day? You know, those are cares, you know. So we have these things, but it's when those things become so magnified and so big in our life that they, that they begin to shut down, shut us down spiritually. And so you can see how people can get caught up in things. Sickness. People who suffer with, with chronic sickness or, 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 you know, serious diseases or, you know, chronic pain, they will cause a person to shut down spiritually. People who are, listen, people who are ate up with cynicism and criticism and being sarcastic, that will shut you down spiritually. That's why I feel like the Lord was showing me that thing about being sarcastic and cynical and critical because it will destroy you spiritually. If, it's like, uh, I read this quote this morning that Winston Churchill said, is you will never fulfill your destiny if you stop and throw rocks at every dog that barks at you. <laughs> I thought, boy, isn't that the truth? Because there's dogs barking constantly, trying to get you distracted on that bar- barking dog instead of g- going on with what God has for you in your life. It'll, those things will shut you down spiritually and it'll cause you to miss the Lord. And miss what he's doing. If you are a person who are, if you're living in the past, okay, if, in other words, the good old days of what God did, how God did it, that's, that's your life. And nothing else is going to ever be good enough because that's the way it was. Then it's going to shut you down spiritually, like I said before, because God is emphasizing something else now. He doesn't want you hanging back on that thing. That'll shut you down spiritually. Are y'all following this? 
I'm sure there's many things. I'll tell you one that will destroy you spiritually. And I believe the body of Christ really needs to get a hold of this. And this is not political. This is just reality. Racism. You know, the United States is really suffering with racism. We thought that, you know, a lot of people thought that that was kind of taken care of. But it's not taken care of. And I'm going to tell you why it's not taken care of. Because it hasn't been taken care of by the spiritual people. By the, by the believers, by the church. That's, that's what's going to heal the land. It's not laws and rules and, and you know, dealing with the police who are, are racist. All that's not going to fix it. Those are trying to fix the surface. Y'all got quiet on me. <laughs> but I, you see what I'm saying? But if you're prejudiced, prejudice, if you look at another person who, who's not like you, whether they have a different... You know, if they're a black person, or they're a white person, or they're, they're short, or they're from another country, if you look at them with prejudice in your heart, that will stop you from being able to connect with the Lord. Because God created everybody. Everybody's a reflection. Black people, white people, you know, Indian people, we're all a reflection of God. We all have a part of God that we're carrying, because He didn't give one race everything. Are y'all following this? And I believe that's one of the scourges on America. If, if, if we say God's going to judge America, we may already be judged. That may be a judgment against us because of the grace of not being racist. You know? Is, is you know, trying to tear apart our country. Are y'all okay? I'll tell you another one. Sorrow. Sorrow. If you're ate up with sorrow in your life, if you can't get healed from the, the sorrow that has come to you, the loss, the hurt, the pain that has come into your life. You know, you had to deal with it. But if you don't get past that, it'll keep you from, it'll put you to sleep. You'll be like those guys asleep. Are you okay? Yeah. All right, let me just read this and let me quit because y'all got quiet on me. Isaiah 60 says this, verse 1 through 3. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Your light has come. And the glory, that's the goodness. The goodness of the Lord has risen upon you. See, that's what God's trying to convince the church of. The glory has risen upon you. The goodness of God has risen for the church, for the body of Christ, for the believers. But we could be like, what's the guy's name over there in Judges 6? And the Lord's good, why am I sitting here in this wine vat threshing wheat? Gideon, that's what he said when the Lord came to him. You're highly favored. I'm highly favored. Look at my life. <laughs> but the Lord says you're highly favored. He couldn't believe it because his life seemed to be a wreck. Why was his life a wreck? Because he wasn't seeing the goodness of God. And that's why he had that visitation. And that's why he became a deliverer. Because he had this visitation. But it says this. Listen now. Listen. For behold, darkness will cover the earth. They're telling us. Listen, y'all. Darkness, even though the glory, the light, the goodness of God is on you. But guess what? It's going to be dark out there in the world. Really dark. Black darkness. I mean, total, you know, like dark where there's no light. Deep darkness. Isn't it interesting? He says, darkness will cover the earth. Deep darkness, the people. Deep darkness. 
Listen, you want to know why there's homosexuality and you want to know why men rape little girls? You want to know why? Because it says it right here, deep darkness, deep darkness. You know why men are not faithful to their wife? Deep darkness. Deep darkness. Deep darkness. That's what it is. That's why. So when we hear about those things, you know what we can say? Well, of course that's what's going to happen to people who don't know the Lord and doesn't walk with the Lord. Of course they're going to do it. And of course I would do it if I wasn't walking with the Lord. I would do something bad because deep darkness would be on me. And everybody in this room would. You know, that's what grace says. Mm, you would be dead if the grace of God didn't, wasn't on you. But listen to this. But the Lord will rise upon you and His glory will appear upon you. His glory will appear upon you. And then nations will come to your light. When the church begins, I believe, to declare this goodness of the Lord and begin to, we begin to get transformed by His goodness. That God is good. God is wonderful. God is awesome. And we begin to get transformed. That's going to change how we look. That's going to change how we think. And people in the world are going to see it. Instead of... Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> I know this is pretty common scripture here. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your, your rising. I wanted to say this and I need to stop. This is what I really believe. Okay, I've been believing this for a long time and I believe it more today. There are going to be geographical places all over the earth. All over the earth where the goodness of God is going to rest where the glory and presence of God is going to rest. And the reason they're going to be all over the earth is for every human being on this earth can have access to that. Every human being on this earth can have access to the goodness of God. It may be churches. It may be people's houses. It may be missions organizations. It could be anything. But they're going to be everywhere. So every human being on this planet will, can bear to go to that place and find God in a real way. I really believe that, and I believe God's called us to be that. I'm convinced in my heart that's the goal. You know, the presence of the Lord so strong on us, so powerful on us, you know, that we're living in that presence. And everywhere we go, we take that place with us. And we bear to expose other people to this goodness of the Lord and how God loves them and how God allowed Himself to be torn apart. So they could enter into that presence. I believe that's the call. I believe that's the thing that's on the Father's heart for us as believers. Anybody believe that with me? Uh, Thank you for doing that. (laughs) So I'm going to stop now. Becky's saying, yes, it's time to stop. (laughs) I'm going to pray, okay? Pray the Lord will help you. First, I pray this. Lord, convict us. Convict us where we're asleep or what's causing us to go to sleep. Help us to see that. I pray that everybody in this room today, if there's any area of your life that's causing you to go to sleep, and you may not even be aware of it. Like I say, I was eating, I was eating a meal and I was going to sleep and didn't even know it. That's the insanity of it. It's crazy. You see, that's, what, that's why I use the jet lag. It's, that's what happens to people spiritually. We won't even know we're going to sleep until we're asleep. And then we wake up and realize. And God is wanting to wake people up today. And He wants to let us know today, these are things in your life that are working on you and they're taking you 
out. They're putting you asleep spiritually. I pray, Lord, show, show us all that. Show us all that. It may be, it just may be some terrible sin you're in. Okay, some rotten sin, some rotten thing you do or continue to do. Or it may not have nothing to do with that. It may be something else. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. But when He tells you something, just respond to Him. Like, yes, Lord, I agree with you. That's right. Help me, help me, Lord. Help me. And He'll help you. I just pray that. I pray also, you know, that you, know, you would begin to hear the Lord saying, come up on the mountain with me. You begin to have that sense in your heart that God's wanting to do something in your life that's a little bit unusual, that's not status quo, that you would begin to feel, ah, there's something stirring in me. I think God wants to do something. I don't know what it is. I don't know what God's trying to tell me, but I I just feel God wants to do something. Does anybody else feel that? You just feel like, Lord, I don't really know. I kind of feel halfway messed up at the time, but I believe... Lord, there's something that you're trying to do in my life deep down inside of me. You're trying to get down there to something in me and release, like Becky said, that jammer thing. You're trying to uncork me, Lord. You're trying to get me out of where I was. You're trying to break me open so this person that's in me can come forth in much greater glory. I just pray that you would begin to feel that. I pray you'd be feel stirred in your heart, feel pricked in your heart. It says in the, the scripture, it says their hearts became like wax. I pray God do that to all of us. We'd have that waxy feeling on the inside, melted wax, where we just felt something like I'm not going to stay the same. I'm not going to stay where I've been, and I'm going to stop my complaining. I'm going to stop my ranting. <laughs> That's a new word. Ranting. Somebody was telling me, hey, this person rants a lot on Facebook. I said, well, you need to just get rid of them then if that's all they got to say. <laughs> the world is full of a rant, man. We need to be full of releasing hope to people instead of rants and fussing at people. That's what Jesus did. Lord, give us hope today. Give us hope. Lord, we pray for the government. For... Uh, You'd help them. Save them, Lord. Save the government. Save the president. All those people who are doing things up there that they shouldn't be doing. All those secret things that are going on that we don't know about. God, do something. We ask you to intervene. We pray for a revival in America, Lord. Revival in this church, Lord. Thank you, Lord.